Episode of Jen and Hajamis with me, Marvin Schneider, and the always effervescent Jen Ward. <laughs> Hi, and Darshan. Got your Giants T-shirt on. Good man. He's a bit of a fan, is he? Yeah, he likes the Manning Brothers, Eli, and um, yeah, and um, um, the old coach on Tom Coughlin. Oh, pretty cool players. Right. Does he actually watch the games? Well, when he couldn't, because back then I had the dogs, and 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 then they would have eaten him during the game. So <laughs> they would watch on top of. I know they would watch on top of the cat carriers, and they would actually get mad at me because you know what their favorite team was? No. Come on! Oh, you don't. You're from Oz. You don't know. Well, there's a t- team called the um, Chicago Bears. Right. And that's their favorite team, of course. <laughs> of course it is. So they thought, like, if the um, the Giants or the Bills were ever playing the Bears, they would want to watch. And I was like, Well, presumably they do get to play each other at some point in the season. Would I be right in that? I, I don't know. Or are they I in different leagues? They're called different divisions and everything. The Eastern, there's like four quadrants, and I don't have them all memorized. It's like the East Coast, the West Coast, the South. Got yeah, it. I don't know that much. All I know is they have to like get the ball in four tries, and if they don't get ten yards, then they get another. Then they, the other guy gets the ball, and if they get it in their ten yards, then they get a, a chance to go another ten yards until Got they it. go down. Well, one of these days I'm going to have to study up on it. Well, I could teach you the fundamental, but you'll surpass me in like five minutes and what I know. So do you, do you want me to teach you the fundamentals of cricket? Only if I have insomnia. <laughs> so uh, my parents migrated from Germany, if people haven't kind of worked that out yet. And my dad, right, so he's been in Australia for, you know, the better part of 50 or 60 years, and he's still got a thick German accent, and he still knows nothing about cricket. And his favourite line is he'd rather watch grass grow than watch cricket. <laughs> and it'd probably be faster. Oh, Marvin, Marvin, can you tell them your story about your dad and the galah? Please. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> it's so fun. You guys are going to love this. I gotta, it's so fun. i got to remember the story. So um, we have a bird in Australia called a galah. So it is, um, uh, it's... Uh, it's native and it's a very smart bird and they they can learn to talk uh, and they're very good at it um, so they're a f- moderately large bird they're very smart uh, they live a reasonably long time and there's a lot of them so anyway my dad managed to uh, somehow I don't know how he got this galab I mean they, they they generally just sort of fly out in nature anyway um, and uh, we had a huge cage in our place and we're in you know a remote part in the western side of australia so it's very desert oriented very remote and there's lots of these galahs there anyway um we had this I, I was only a little kid by the way at this point i was in what we call our primary school and um 
So one day this bird got let out of the cage. So I don't know how he got out of the cage, but you know, these are pretty smart birds. So he might've managed to sort of open up the latch lock, whatever he got out, he was flying around and, um, he was, you know, flying around, sitting in the trees in the sort of suburban neighborhood and, um, um, and yelling out and making a lot of noise. And so anyway, um, one of the local police constables came to our house and he asked my dad, do you, you know, do you own a galah? And my dad says, yeah, and as a matter of fact, I do, you know, and he got out and he, and he says, ah, so, uh, the galah, the, this nuisance galah must be yours. And my dad says, well, how do you know it's mine? And he says, well, this galah is sitting on the power lines, yelling down to everyone that's walking past, shut up, you silly old bastard. But the problem is he was uh, yelling it out in a German accent. And so that's how they knew it was my dad's galah. And that's a true story. Didn't they have to like end the galah? Yeah, they, they couldn't catch it. He was a bit of a nuisance. So they ended up shooting it, unfortunately. So that was the <laughs> end of him, but he was a smart bird. And I don't actually recall my dad ever actually teaching him how to talk, but he's, they're very good mimickers. So when you told me, it was funny because the police showed up and, and they're saying, sir, I'm sorry, we, we had to take down your bird. I'm sorry. He's dead. And he goes, how do you know it was my bird? And it was like swearing in German to the yeah. <laughs> school children. So we yeah. had <laughs> Yeah. And look, you know, this is a pretty small town that we were living in. Uh, there's obviously not a lot of people and there weren't a lot of Germans. So, you know, if, if there's a Galar, you know, swearing in a German accent, you know, guess where you're going to go. <laughs> was that worth it? Must... Was it worth telling yes, that story? Yes, it's funny. It's so funny. I guess the bird wasn't able to fly under the wire. Get no. It? <laughs> fly under the wire. Got it. <laughs> um, what else is going on? So, you know, you know, I've been kind of like, like suffering lately with certain yes. experiences and stuff. <laughs> I don't know why people enjoy going to hair salons and spas and all that. To me, it's like going to hell. And as a matter of fact, places that people, regular people go and they enjoy and they pay good money to go. Yep. If I had to make my own private hell, you know that what it would be? Going to those places, I'm guessing. It would be a, it would be a hair salon on one of those, those luxury boats. Ooh, like the, okay. Yeah. And being trapped at sea and just in one of those banquets and just trying to get a seat all the time in a very small cabin and paying a lot of money to just be corralled around the boat. That is my form of hell. It would be literally, if I have to be sent to hell, that's what it will look like. But so I go to the salon to like do my hair and it was like, it just looked, I just had it done a little while ago and it, it still looked, it's horrible being really able to perceive an energy because it just looked dirty all the time. It looked like I looked homeless. I looked homeless. So I went to the salon and I said, please just fix it. And she goes, I got it. I got it. I, and it had like these highlights. I said, just make it blonder, lighter and like nice contrast so it pops. I got it. I gotcha. And I'm like really calm. And you know, three hours later, la la la, listening to everybody's vacations and disappointments and family stuff. Can't stand what's important to other people. It's like, 
Wow. Anyways, so I'm suffering and I'm doing like a good thing. I'm a trooper in that story. And then she blows dry my hair and it just looks like this beige. No color at all. Nothing. No depth. No beige. And 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 she goes, well, we put a toner in it because you said you didn't want it to look brassy. But it was just like, like it was almost like, it, it just was. So well, needless to say, you are somewhat disappointed with the product or the outcome. Yeah, but that's the thing. I seem to be always, I mean, I never shop for myself. I never shop. And then when I do, I went to buy a pair of shoes, right? And there was a one pair of shoes that I liked. And they talked me out of it and made me buy the ugly shoes because they were more <laughs> practical. And and they were both flats, like one was open too and stuff. But it's like everything I do, it's like there's no joy. There's, and I, I think that it's representing the human experience right now. Right. It's almost like there's no way to be blissfully happy mm -hmm. in the spiritual, in the physical experience right now. So on one of the recent workshops in a Q&A session, um, there's a conversation going on around spirituality and um, some of the dichotomies that, you know, spiritual people experience. So on the one hand, there's an experience of, you know, nothingness, the egoless state, but at the same time being part of everything. And, um, and then also while doing all of those things, as if that's not enough, also being present in, you know, the physical experience in, you know, having a human experience. So, and mm -hmm. it's quite a challenge to be able to do all of those things concurrently. Yeah. But the thing is, is, is I think that's what mastership is. Yes, I'm indeed. Saying. Indeed. So the problem with me is I've neglected the physical. Yeah you know, so much to do the other work. Yep. And now I think they want me to play catch up and it's like torture. <laughs> it's to you know what I did for fun that day? We went to the spa and then we went to try to get other like things done yep. to like make me feel better. Is there were a couple birds that were outside of this like coffee shop. And I swear these two little cute, cute birds would go on the side of the building and saying, I think they figured out that people went in there and got what they wanted and they're trying to figure out how to do that for themselves. Right. <laughs> of course. Well, it was the only thing I could do is to make myself happy as I went into the, um, coffee place and I got muffins for the birds and they were all in the things and stuff. And even they couldn't get their needs met. The only muffins they had were pistachios. So they were this ugly green and right. the birds don't want to eat ugly green. But anyways, so we broke up and this was like a high class kind of area and stuff. We just, she goes, do you want whatever for this? And I go, no, it's just, we just feed in the birds outside. <laughs> and so it's like pristine. There's not like ounce of like garbage. And then I just take these big muffins and I throw them on the pavement and stuff. And all these little birds are coming. And, and that was the only <laughs> happiness I could get out of yesterday. Yeah, look, um, having known you for a little while now, um, I think you are um, predominantly operating outside of the physical um, experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I agree, the adepts seem to be nudging you to create that balance. So um, uh, hats mm -hmm. off to you. And I know it's, um, it's, it's not an easy thing. Um, mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and, I, and by the way, can I just say also, um, I know of a number of other spiritual people that, you know, are very perceptive in energy. And, and I think your experience is not uncommon for those kinds of people that they find it difficult to, you know, experience, have the human experience. But it's, it's weird because I don't ever do it that, that I figure when I do it, you know, okay, I'll play along. Okay, this is what being physical is about. Okay, I'll play along. Let me go and see what it's about. Let yeah. me go and have fun with this. And then they just f with me and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like, it's just humorous how much I can be tortured into one of these places and stuff. It's like, what, what other people find, like, this is joyful for you? And it's like, so what I realize is like, like for people who operate mainly in the physical, yeah. what what I find pleasure out is probably from is what they get like it would be their torture. So so someone who is operating in the physical world probably would be tortured by my joy of like, oh we gotta go in and feed the birds and we gotta sit and talk to the birds and everything. <laughs> that would probably be their hell and everything. Yes. I can't imagine I mean, I'm trying to balance, you know, I'm trying really hard, mm -hmm. but I can't imagine it being just about that. And the only, so I went to this hair, hair supply place, right? To like try to find out a way to fix what, to fix what I don't like, right? Mm -hmm. So this girl is like really cute and she's nice in the beginning. And then she asked her boss in the back a question. And this woman comes out and, you know, it's, it's she there's a percent i can tell when someone's a hairstylist because they have this presence just like i can tell when someone's a catholic or i can tell when someone's you know different things just by their presence so she comes out with her hands on her heads and she goes is she a hairstylist and i go no i'm just trying to figure out for my own hair she goes well she can't buy any of the perms on her own right I I don't want to perm my hair. I just want to know about something like putting like body in my hair. And she's like acting like this hair Nazi on me <laughs> and everything. So, but the other thing was the other girl was really cute, and I ended up like talking to her and telling her about Jen and the Jams. I wish I remembered her name. And so I, she was going to watch Jen and cool. the Jams. Like, so like, okay, so we can't. Well, you can't remember her name, but in in any case. That that person, if you're watching, shout yeah. out to you. I, I I did thank her and stuff because she. Oh, I'm gonna cry. So that to me is the beautiful thing about going out there, and the only reason to possibly go out there mm -hmm. is allow the people who are doing their thing mm -hmm. to serve and to interact with them in their ways of service. So this girl was so adorable and so helpful, yeah. and just be. I mean, I didn't need any answers, but she just cared and it was just natural and it was, yeah. it wasn't phony or anything. And it was just, she made today a better day, you know what I mean? And so if you're going to be out there, these people who are, are giving service and just being present and talking yeah. and, and being kind and being real are the saving graces of what else is a, is a form of hell. Yeah, we might have to do an episode on that. I don't know what the episode is going to be about other than 
um, authenticity and there look it's a it's a liberating experience interacting with people that are authentic and you know just get joy out of service and assisting others and um, the more I think about it the more I think that that is the essence of um, you know the good life is a life of service and and getting joy out of service so so, so, you know, a lot of people, um, they find work to be work. Mm -hmm. So m my sense of things is that those people that are truly, you know, balanced and have a degree of mastery in, you know, those three dimensions that we we're talking about, love their work and don't see it as work, but it is a, you know, a pleasure, a joy, an opportunity to serve and it, they kind of get off on it. So, um, there you go. That's just, um, oh. there's that. I remember, like, because I've been, like, kind of bitching at you today about things in you asked No. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since we did that PMS podcast, we have to, like, track. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, so apparently it's Gen 1, Marvin. I think she's got you, buddy, <laughs> was one of the comments. No. That's just old habit and stuff. But you asked, you asked me if I want... Because you don't, you said I don't want to record if you're in a bad mood, and I go, no. But, but the outflowing. If I'm in a bad mood, it means I'm not outflowing enough, and yep. and things are imploding on me. So I have to give even more. Okay. It's like, yeah. And so this is a joy to like be able to be present with people and to have them. God forbid, I don't know why, but they enjoy us talking and everything. So. So kudos on them. Is that the right way to say that in us? Yep, that'll do. Oh, that'll do, pig. Every time he <laughs> says a thing, that'll do. He knows in my head that it adds, that'll do, pig, because of the movie Babe. So he could call me names with not even saying it, and he can look. He's not doing it. He's not calling me a name. But if he wanted to and he wasn't so ethical, he could call me a pig all the time just by saying, that'll do. That'll do. Yeah. It's just an Aussie. They, look, there's cultural differences that oh, get in the way every now and then. Maybe that's why, because I don't think that movie was made in America, so maybe it was a cultural thing. Quite possibly. Can so, I, yep, go ahead. I have the story that I wanted to tell if we have time. I know we're on a strict time budget with you, but do we have <laughs> a minute? Sure. Okay, so... So I wrote this story that seems to resonate with a lot of people. It's called the um, League of Angels. And it was about... It was about people who are having a really hard time in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And they're like, seem to be like in a family that doesn't appreciate them. They're always giving of themselves. They're like absorbing the anger about everyone around them and they're hearing everyone complain about everyone and they just maintain their calm. Mm -hmm. So I had an experience about that and it was like, I don't know how, oh, the latest. The, I was just about to say, keep an eye on the light people because that's the adepts talking. Yep. So it was an inner experience about like in this place of bliss where everyone was just Perpetually enjoy love, abundance, and freedom, right? That's Everything the Holy was, Grail. Everybody was just in that state, right? Mm -hmm. And then this head dude or whatever, this whatever came up and said, 
okay, we have a problem. We need to, we need some volunteers to go to this planet. And it's like, it's in dire strait. It might not make it. This planet might not make it. It's just so out of balance with the hate and stuff. It might destroy itself. Mm -hmm. So we need some volunteers to go and incarnate into earth and be shock absorbers for the hate. Mm -hmm. So all these hands went up and a bunch of these souls who didn't need to mm -hmm. just put their hands up mm. and they incarnated into these experiences that were hell on earth mm -hmm. and they were surrounded by the most maniacal assholes mm. and they just took it and their whole job was just to continue to love just to mm -hmm. take what they could mm -hmm. So, um, as I understand it, that is exactly the, uh, the playbook. But that's the people who find us here are the ones who put their hands up yeah. and the ones who need that validation that, yeah, you, you are doing a good thing by what you do. You don't get the accolades or you don't hmm. get the ego stroking, but you knew that. And, Thank you for doing what you do, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So, back onto some more positive programming. <laughs> Why is that not positive? I think that's Oh, it is. It is. But it's obviously... Yeah, look, it is. But it's obviously very emotional. Um, Marvin, have you met me? <laughs> <laughs> not, never met you before. <laughs> okay. So uh, a couple of things before we kind of get into the topic, and I'm going to introduce the topic in a second. Um, so we've got the next uh, workshop, which is honing your healing acuities. Uh, we're deep into the process of writing up, you know, the material for that one. So um, there is a last chance opportunity to sign up to that. Um, after that one, we are going to take a little bit of a break um, from um, from running these workshops because they're pretty intense and we do want to finish um, the book editing process which is going well so if you haven't signed up for honing your healing acuities workshop please do it's going to be another amazing opportunity to connect in communion uh, with the uh, genuine healing family um, and we've got quite a, a, a nice group of fairly regulars and I think they're you know they're really the, the transformations that are going on is um, pretty amazing. So uh, do that. And so we can are I, also working on the book. Yes, please. Oh, can I just say something about the workshop as a titillation yep. kind of? <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, so the adults, the adults basically do the, um, do the program and it's yeah. just and tell me what to write down. And so apparently they show me, they're looking up like these, talents that someone who is like sensitive in energy is you know like um telekinesis and can handwriting automatic handwriting medical intuitive which i can do there's a couple things i can't do like like i don't know something with fire i can't make things blast into fire and i can't melt metal and stuff just but these phenomena and then the adults had me list okay so what do you do jen what have you been documented to do from the people? And the list is like an arm's length long. And it's like, okay, you can have these things that, that there's a little phenomena around, these little catchy kind of things. 
Or you can do this. You can you can commune with nature. You can like talk to trees. You can like you can like talk to people on the other side. You can go to people when they're hurt hurting you can bilocate you can medical intuitive yep. you can i don't know read angel signs i don't know i don't know any of this stuff but yep. just in what i know that i have done and do do and so the list is a lot longer and it's like much more natural so we're going to like yep. help people understand that they're already doing these things and they're actually we're going to do some tasks around removing all blockages to doing that things and of course in the interim of the whole um, retreat, we're going to download what I do into others so it can it can perpetuate. So if you want to, and you ask this question, will they be able to read Akashic Records like you do? Mm-hmm. And I go, no, they probably don't want to read them like I do. They want to read them. That's a good answer, actually. To do them and how it's yep. more comfortable. So, and just, and um, just uh, yeah. a little bit of comical relief so. as we get into the topic. So some months back, we were helping Jen sort of refresh her LinkedIn page and down the bottom of LinkedIn, I don't know if you ever noticed is, um, there's a little section where you can list the languages that you speak. And usually people put, you know, French, German, you know, uh, Mandarin, you know, Japanese, you know, whatever. So Jen had, uh, she speaks dog, cat, fish, and tree. Now we've added some more in there. I can Absolutely. speak rock, wind, and inanimates too now. So, but what was really funny is watching your business partner look at that for the first time in the shop, and then he just threw up his hands and he didn't know what to do. And he, you guys had, you guys had yes. good legs at my expense for <laughs> we a couple did. Of days. That was very funny. Know. So the topic of today's. <laughs> Jen and her Jami's episode is beyond the daisy of death. And the reason why we picked up on this topic is a couple of reasons. We're in the middle of editing the uh, second edition of SFT lexicon. And then after that, we're going to be <clears throat> moving on into enlightenment unveiled the second edition. And it just struck me as I was going through that, that what is missing um, is basically a chapter um, which is to be entitled Beyond the Daisy of Death, which basically tells, it's like an essay, but it tells a story around what is not serving humanity, you know, in this reset phase about mainstream dogmatic religion. And so there's a whole section around the way that um, mainstream dogmatic religion, and, I'm, and, I, and I mean religion, so organized, institutionalized religion is not serving humanity anymore. And that's not to say it never served humanity, but it's just, it's not serving anymore. So there, there's that bit. And then there's going to be a section around um, the extent to which new age spirituality um, has, um, you know, got to a point of not serving humanity anymore. And then uh, the next section is about, well, you know, what have the adepts told you, Jen, you know, what a, what is your core, um, core message? And how does that serve humanity in this, in this, let's call it new, new age or new era in the fifth dimension. So do you want to talk a little bit about that just as a prelude? Um, because we are, get, there's going to be a whole chapter in the yeah. book. Um, and by the way, the other thing, just keep an eye on this, is that our intention is to 
put out there um, a series of public lectures, a series of them, and the first episode in the series of public lectures probably will be entitled Beyond the Daisy of Death. So just as a precursor, Jen, not the, not, you know, not the whole uh, nine yards on it. Well, actually, what they're telling me to talk about... Well, of course not. Of course. Is that <laughs> when is it ever be? <laughs> that would be ridiculous. That would be crazy. No, but... <laughs> Who knew? Who knew, Marvin? They're not letting me stay to script. But, okay, so remember we were helping this person from the past who um was, was gearing up this whole... This whole regime to yes. remove people from uh, certain cults and and he wasn't really successful he might have felt successful he might have felt he was successful but there was a blockage and remember mm -hmm. I can pinpoint it right away and and he's clueless to why because these people who yeah. are in a cult have been bullied told what to do and they've been Yep. directed to to listen to male energy and to like forego their own inner voice and what was this man doing to try to get them out he was saying listen to me i have the answers i will get you free and it's no they they, they can smell going from the pan into the, the pot into That'll the frying pan or fire whatever that but it's, so That'll do, Pam. <laughs> so, so, so they had an aversion to that. So, actually, so what we're going to be doing with the Daisy of Death and this topic is, so there's people out there trying to reinvent, and, and and it's it's pretty like common now that 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 consciousness needs yep. to be reinvented. It's not working. People have been trapped in linear. So people want to come in as the savior to do it, but. But it's almost like that guy is like if it if it smacks of the same consciousness that we're trying to get out of, then it's just an, a newer version of being subjugated. And so what we're offering is a huge understanding of what exactly the daisy of death is. It's like this 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 energetic construct that has been preventing people from energetically transcending beyond the mental realms into higher consciousness where they can achieve right. pure so, positive um, states of existence. That's, that's a lot. Um, in, can I try this? Um, because the expression of this yeah. is going to come as we write the essay. So we, we, we're beginning to sort of put all the pieces together um, and uh, the way I interpret things is mainstream dogmatic religion, which has been around for you know a couple of thousand years, and we know which um, you know which branches of the religion we're kind of religions we're talking about. A lot of those, um, while they may have had some benefit and service, and while they may have had some grounding in some fundamental tenet of truth, has been hijacked and serving power structures, and it's creating a barrier between the individual, so me as a person and source, and there's this intermediary, there's a power structure, and that's problematic. And so then there's a whole bunch of, you know, 
unhelpful things that come around uh, with it, and they're really impediments for individual transcendence, just in a, in, in a summary form. Okay. <laughs> sure. Do you want me to freak you out a little bit? So what's happening in the private sessions is I'm getting yep. a lot of people from this particular religion set that okay. has like 3,000 guys, right? I was going to talk about that in the next group, but... So... All right. So why don't you say your bit and then I'll kind of go into the next, my next bit. So I, so I had this, I had this, I I didn't mean to burst mm -hmm. your bubble, but I didn't know what you were going to talk about. So, um, so this, these people are coming to me and they're really aware people, but on some level they've incarnated and they have a choice. They either can stay in power or they can go to love. But what's happening is those 3,000, some of those 3,000 gods have incarnated. And a couple of them have made it to have sessions with me. So what they're trying to do is there's a couple things happening in energy is those in power, not these clients, but others, are trying to figure out how to fold power into love so they can piggyback what I do to upgrade into the higher dimensions. That's one thing. And the other thing someone, others are doing is trying to figure out which is going to to prevail, power or love. And they're waiting on the sidelines to see who the winner is and to, to choose the winner. But yep. these are the people who are invested in power still. So what needs to happen is, is, is um, people have yep. to commit to love, as opposed to power, yep. and then once that happens, there's a okay. tipping point. That's and then power uh, good. So um, the the next evolution in the journey that I wanted to go into was um, the extent to which New Age uh, spirituality and Eastern philosophy and various others have. Um, been a big upgrade, and there's certainly an upgrade to mainstream dogmatic religion, but they themselves are now um, at a store point and they are no longer assisting people transcending and they're trapping people in the daisy of death, right? So, um, so, and so what you were just talking about, you know, these, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of, you know, gods is just one of those aspects and there's a couple of interesting things about new age spirituality how i think in in your view uh is being is is now trapping people in the daisy of death is that um they are built around practices and you know uh, regimes and practices where it's almost like a guru of some degree has had a set of experiences and then uses that to form a group where members of the group then sort of basically try and replicate that experience. And of course, not everyone is gonna have the same experience. And so this is something in these new agey groups, uh, which I'm aware of because I've been sort of dabbling in and around it prior to meeting Jen, is uh, you get into a thing that I call experience envy 
And so it's like in these groups, if you're not having these, you know, massive out-of-body experience and kundalini awakening and shaktipat and, you know, all of these kinds of things, it's like, you know, you know, you, you're not... <laughs> you're not on the right path right so you're not good enough and so you, there's this experience envy thing going on the other thing that's going mm -hmm. on is it then creates space for the acolytes and those that hold themselves out to be the grand poobars and, and your experience would be you know part of that so um so there's a number of things that even new age spirituality isn't is kind of trapping people in the daisy of death and so what are you saying and the interesting, if I can just sort of try my version of what you're saying, is um, there are probably half a dozen, a dozen tenets of fundamental truth, some of which, you know, mainstream religion is aware of, some of which the New Age spirituality is aware of. But, you know, there's half a dozen or a dozen fundamental tenets of truth. Beyond that, your journey towards enlightenment is your experience. And basically, I think what you're saying is that you've got to have the experience for yourself. So be aware of these groups, because every time there's a group consciousness, it kind of, you know, detracts and derails. And then what you're offering is SFT tapping as a practical tool that people can use um, to assist. But beyond that, it's their experience. Yeah, and what's interesting about those tenets is anytime you nail yeah. down anything you believe as an absolute, right. it becomes dogma to somebody. So that's the trap of that, and that's what we try to avoid. And that's maybe why I seem so wishy-washy and all over the place all the time, is because the energy stays fluid. Because, ugh, God forbid, anything I say or do or yeah. whatever traps a soul anywhere, and that would... That's right. not my intention at all. So it's like a bob and weave thing and stuff. You don't want to things down. So all my books, every single one of my books, maybe that poetry book is a little bit gratuitous, and but it's not because it's a vibration that pulls people out. Every one of my books is helping the individual in their own state of consciousness have, um, it's almost like, it can pull them out. It's a vibration that can pull them out based on where they are in the moment. That's why they come from different different um, things about animals, trees, abundance, poetry, tapping, misery, you know, sessions, whatever. It's like the adepts have had me write a book that can yeah. hit all the different forms of consciousness because mm -hmm. people have been shamed, belittled, uh, you know, abandoned ostracized to me they've been moved so yep. far away from their own omniscience omnipotence omnipresence yep, right. that they don't know what to think and they're shell-shocked so so what we're doing is like like some people need they need their junk food they need their tv they mm. need whatever they need as a coping mechanism so what we provide is a vibration of that vibration of junk food mixed with the vibration of genuine healing or whatever. So you don't have to shift out of a, what you're doing to be helped. Yeah. You don't have to perform like a, a, a monkey 
to get help. You can get help. Exactly. I know what it's like to be addicted to junk food. I know what it's like to like crave your things. I know what it's like to like feel so worthless that you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. I know what it's like to be so depressed that you can't even move. I know all these things. And the reason I know is I hold those vibrations in my energy. And I hold the same vibrations of how you can be joy, love, abundance, freedom, health, success, security, companionship, creativity, peace, life, wholeness, beauty, enthusiasm, contentment, spirituality, enlightenment, confidence, integrity, kindness, and truth. So they have to exist in the same space. You can't force someone to come out of their yep. own vibration because your vibration is better. You, you, you tell them yep. that they don't exist. Yeah. That they're and unworthy. so the other thing and that struck me that. about um, really where, where you're positioning in the reset of spirituality is there are fundamental tenets of truth and some of them are so profound that they can't be understood in the mental. And so I think from my, and, and I'm just my own experience now is, um, I, I sort of, I'm aware and accept a lot of these fundamental tenets of truth and just the idea that all time exists in, you know, in, in the micro all time and space exists in the micro moments or all past, present, futures, Right. So, okay. So just that as an idea space. is so confounding that it's like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, okay, have an awareness of it, but don't try and, you know, really understand it, but then have the human experience. So that when you just said about all time exists, mm -hmm. so you know what that was, Marvin, you know what that was, that was an intentional creation of a mind loop. To keep yep. a soul trapped in that one, that little yep. thought process. And what happens is That's they right. go into this thing and they try to contemplate it and there's no answer. Good. And, and they that's exactly what I was saying. The Thank and they you. never come out of it. Thank you. Right. So what I was saying oh, is okay. don't get bogged into okay. trying to understand the details of, you know, um, these fundamental tenets of truth, because it probably will bog you and, you know, keep you in the mental realms, which is probably the greatest impediment, um, you know, to, um, um, you know, having the experience you need to be, go ahead. And the point is, the point is right. The days of death is right, and so so and so. And now we're getting the to the essence of the topic. So the the title of this thing is beyond the daisy of death, and so you need. <laughs> so sorry, you don't need to do anything. I mean yeah. that's ridiculous. But what we're offering here is an opportunity to understand how mainstream dogmatic religion, even New Age spirituality, each form of that has you know, the tendency to bring people into the daisy of death. So there's an awareness thing. And then you're offering something very simple to help people go beyond the daisy of death. And so. But you're offering it too, Marvin, because as you're talking and yeah. stuff, you said you need to do this and you caught yourself in that. But there is, but people perceive an energy, even though they don't understand it. And they know your yeah. intention and 
there is no ego in that. And when you say need, there's no vibration yeah. of need. So yeah, they so, don't so, get offended yeah, by so that. So the reason why because, I cut myself off is because every time someone, any, anytime someone says that this is the way it is and you need to do it this way is another trapping into right. the daisy of death. And so my, my issue with a lot of new age spirituality is that, you know, the acolytes are doing exactly that. And so even though it's sort of packaged and, you know, it's got sort of really glitzy, you know, packaging around the outside, every time there is then a group formed around a guru or some, I, I, let's, I, I call them acolytes, um, then straight up, and by the way, you have the experience of this with that group that you were part of for 30 years. And so, you know, it is enticing. Yeah. It brings people in and then, whoa, bang, trapped into the daisy of death. Boom, and now you've got to get out of it. So that's what we're going to be offering in this section in the new books called Beyond the Daisy of Death. And um, so we wanted to have just a little bit of a precursor talk about it, just, just to, you know, just just to get the ideas out of there and then keep an eye on it for the uh, additional books because I think this topic is probably getting to the heart of what is different in what you're offering and why the adepts are working you so hard. And you know what's really interesting? Um, so... Everywhere mm -hmm. I go and the people know that I do spiritual work, they say the same, same thing to me. It's like, and this is, oh, yeah, there's tons of people mm -hmm. doing what you do, and they compare me to someone else. And Equate. what they're trying to do is equip, no, not equivocate. <laughs> they're trying to equate yep. what I do with that, and it's put a glass ceiling on what we do. And that's why I have, you see yep. me bristle whenever someone compares me to anyone, even in it's because it's a form of control and limitation, not on your part, but it's, yeah. we've been taught to do this to each other and stuff. So I, I'm going to just say, nobody does what I do. I don't know what anybody else is doing, but nobody else is doing what I'm doing and nobody else is doing what Marvin is doing and nobody else is doing what we're doing together because there is no other Marvin and Jen. And I know yeah. our intentions are there of the purest yeah. nature. So I can't say other people aren't doing good work, yeah. but they're not doing what I'm doing. Very good. Not doing what you're um, doing. Fantastic topic. I hope uh, you listeners uh, enjoyed that one. Um, please comment, like, share, subscribe. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Darshian. Look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.
Please talk to me. Talk to me. 